Open your Bibles with me. I want to continue on what we were dealing with this morning, Matthew chapter 11. Oh, by the way, Kyle, I don't know why you're nervous. You're the best spoken young man in the youth group. <laughs> he said he couldn't do jokes, so he was out of his element. I think that, that the reason that he is able to be such a good speaker is his height. Unlike these other knuckleheads, the blood can make it to his brain. See, there's only a few of us that, that have that, uh, that giftedness. A- Amen, Brother Fetter? Amen. By the way, be prepared. We're gonna, when we take our offering tonight, all of the cash is going to go to the Fetters. And, um, you know, their monthly support is not designed to sustain them in the United States. So I hadn't thought about that until we were sitting there. So um, we're going to take an offering for them, and we're going to increase your support until you go back to, to help you while you're here. So I want to make sure that that happens. Amen? So let's make sure that that happens. Matthew chapter 11. Now, what we looked at this morning, the, the question that we answered was, is the King James Version of the Bible too hard to read? Is the King James Version of the Bible too hard to read? And we answered some of the arguments from Mark Ward's book, Authorized, that is affecting people. And one of the things that's happening is there's a real uh, attack on the King James Bible among independent Baptists. Now, we expect evangelicals not to like it. But when independent Baptists who know better are acquiescing to the world in that area... It's, it can be discouraging. And so what I want us to do at Grace Baptist is to know where we are, why we do what we do, and is it possible to read and understand the Bible. I want you to understand one of the things that happens. So I was reading a book review. I mentioned David Norton, one of the leading textual scholars in the world. I was reading a book review that he did on Lawrence Vance's book, King James, His Bible and Its Translators. And he commends it, he uses it in his classes, but he identifies it as his self-published essays. His self-published essays. And in the academic world, that's, that's kind of a slight. Because that means that the major publishing houses aren't coming to you and paying you to do it. But here's why. The major publishing houses are not interested in pro King James material. The man that used to be the music director out at uh, Lancaster Baptist Church and West Coast Baptist College, his name's Kerry Schmidt, he went to Newington, Connecticut and took a church that's always been known as a King James Bible preaching church. My father used to preach at that church when I was a young man. And um, Kerry Schmidt wanted to, he he wrote that book, Done, that we have used and put in our uh, materials or in in our, our guest packets He has also written some of the Sunday school curriculum that some of you young people will have seen. And he wanted to write a book. He had a major publisher, Moody Press, was going to print it for him. But they said, we will not print it if you use the King James Version of the Bible. I thought they're all good. I thought all the translations were good. I thought it's not an attack on the King James. Isn't that what you always hear? Not at Moody, it's not. And, of course, Kerry Schmidt, because he does not believe that the King James Bible is the preserved word of God in English, used the ESV for that book. 
and is moving that church away from a firm stand on the words of God. And it's simply because, I think more than anything, he has no idea what he's talking about on the subject. I don't, I don't think Kerry Schmidt understands it at all. I think he's a good brother. I think he loves the Lord. He has a real passion for souls. He's not a heretic. I don't think he knows anything about the subject. Shame on us for that. Shame on independent Baptists for not teaching the truth. And Lord willing, the Lord will help me. I am going to do what I can to help our young preachers to know why we use the King James Bible. So tonight what I want us to look at are six principles for reading difficult passages. Six principles for reading difficult passages. And we acknowledged this morning that there are sections in the King James Bible that are more difficult to read than in some of the modern translations. One of the major reasons for that is the King James Bible is a formal equivalent. It's a formal translation. That is, they're doing everything they can to make it a word-for-word translation. Whatever the word is in Hebrew, we're going to find the closest word to that in English. Whatever the, the word is in Greek, we're going to find the closest word to that in Greek. But also, it's a theological translation in that the context will determine which English word you use. If you have a list of 10 different words in your Greek dictionary, the context is going to tell you which one to do. And God forbid you say that maybe, just maybe, God helped them pick the right ones. If you say that, then boy, you're just going way too far. You know, these are the same guys that if God, they're, they're driving out of a meeting and God told them to turn right. And if they, if they hadn't turned right and turned left, there was a wreck there and they probably would have gotten killed. So they listened to God. But God certainly can't tell a translator what word to put in a translation. That's just a bridge too far. How many of you think maybe there's an agenda other than the accuracy of Scripture? And so while admitting that there are sections in the King James Bible, words in the King James Bible that will take some work, while admitting that, the issue is not the difficulty of the King James. The issue is the corrupt translation of the modern translations based on a faulty text and based on an agenda that the translators would hold. And we've been through that. So our, the, the first thing that I want us to understand by way of introduction before I get into the six principles is the key to all Bible study is faith in God. Amen? The key to all Bible study is faith in God. You see, this is not an intellectual textbook. And I remember I used to hear Bill O'Reilly before he was fired. He would say, um, the Bible's not a history book. The Bible's not, well, it's not a history book, but it's historically accurate. There are no historical errors in your Bible. Amen? But neither is it designed to boost your intellect. It's designed to give you the information that God wants you to have. So how does he do that? Well, how many of you know that we believe in the Godhead Trinity? Y'all believe that? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? So what do you think the chances are that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are going to be involved in teaching you the Bible? Is there a pretty good chance in that? So let's check it out. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 in verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, 
because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. So the, the father himself was revealing truth to children and to babes in the faith. And the Pharisees couldn't get it. The religious leaders couldn't get it. They couldn't understand it. You know, I was thinking about that. There were so many things that I wanted to say during my morning message um, that I just didn't have time to. But you understand that people with a sixth grade education have... How many of you know a lot of people in previous generations, that's as far as they went? Because they had to go work on the farm. They had to go work in the factory. And they, those, those men would sit down with their Bible and read it every night. Sometimes it would be by by candlelight. Sometimes it's by the fire. Sometimes by a gas lantern. And they would sit every night and read their Bible. They'd turn on the radio and listen to Oliver B. Green preach the Bible to them. They could understand the Bible. And yet, and yet, we have trained pastors saying, well, that's just too hard. I, I don't think my people can understand it. If the Father is going to teach it, you can understand it. Look at verse 27. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, look at this, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So not only will the Father give truth, Jesus Christ came to reveal the Father. How is he going to do it? What are we going to be judged by? His words. His words, and he's going to teach them to you. Now, look with me. The passage that we use all the time is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but we're going to move a little bit earlier in the chapter than normal. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us, how? By his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So how do we learn things? Well, the Father reveals them even unto children, unto babes. The Son reveals the Father, and then we will be judged by his words. And the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God and reveals those deep things of God to us. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, look at verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. That's Jesus. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, be sure to remember that text as we go through some of these. Let me give you six principles for reading difficult passages. Number one, believe what you read, doubting nothing. Believe what you read. You say, how can I believe what I don't understand? Believe those words. They're not words that are there by mistake. Begin the process by, okay, whatever, God, I don't think I understand what you're saying there. Boy, that sounds pretty rough, Father. I, I don't know if I can do that. That's, uh, that sounds pretty tough. Help me understand what this is. I, I'm not sure, but I believe it. Uh, like the father who had the, the son, the maniac son. But this is there a joke right there. That's, 
what's his name back here? Justin and Evan. He's going to have that maniac. <laughs> My son's a lunatic. That's what he said. My son's a lunatic. And Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When you read the Bible, believe what you're reading. Absolute confidence that what you are reading is true. It changes everything. One of the things that, um, that Mark Ward recommended was read multiple translations at the same time. Well, at that point, what's your authority? Especially when they say, how many of you have read your Bible and then you read a modern translation and they say something completely different? Is that giving you understanding or is that causing confusion? Believe what you have in your hands. Believe what is before you. That's number one. Believe what you read, doubting nothing. Number two, read it over and over and over again until, listen, until the cross-references reveal themselves. Read it over and over and over again. Isn't it fun when you become familiar with a particular passage and then as you're reading somewhere else, it says that same thing over here. And you write that cross-reference down. And it, it opens up your understanding. See, I think one sometimes when people tell me they're struggling with the King James year after year after year after year, not every time, but I think many times they're just not reading it enough. The, the volume of it is not enough. Read it over and over and over and over again until you become familiar with the references. There's a teacher that I enjoy reading after. I don't cite him much because he, he wrote some very controversial things. His name's Peter Ruckman. But Dr. Ruckman, the reason that he helps me when I read his books are his cross-references. That's, that's what helps. And why are his cross-references so good? Because he read the Bible more than 200 times. How many of you think if you read the Bible 200 times, you might know where stuff is in it? Right? That's the goal. Read it over and over and over and over again. Read it until the cross-references reveal themselves. See, the critical text view undermines the faith of new believers. It undermines the faith of new believers. So, uh, I, I, uh, on, I, I put in the, our video or in our uh, PowerPoint today where that Mark Ward said he's never going to recommend a Bible to his kids, but he wants them to read all different translations. How can they ever know what the words of God actually are? You can't know that. So you need to read the same words over and over and over and over again. And when you come across a word that you don't understand, I have um, Lawrence Vance's original version of, uh, of The Other Side of Calvinism. It's a blue paperback book. Now, some of you have the big red one that he expanded later, but the original one was uh, in, it was put out in, I think, 1990, 1991, something like that. And so I had just gone to Crown College, and I hadn't started school yet. I was reading that book, and I had to look up about 10 words on every page. And I could show you that book in my library, and what I would do is I would write the definition of the word in the margin. Because if I read it again, I didn't want to have to look up that word again. And so I asked Vance about that. 
And he said, yeah, I was stupid. <laughs> That's what he said. I love the way that he talks. And he, he took some of that, that difficulty out of the updated version. Do you know why he wrote it that way? He was 25. That's interesting, isn't it? Such an interesting thing. But when I read it, I couldn't understand the words. And I just needed help. I was 30 years old. Man, I had been studying for a long time. And he's using words that weren't in the dictionary. I had to go and find different, better dictionaries because the words he was using weren't in the dictionary. They, they weren't in the dictionaries that I had. What I recommend that you do is if you come across a word in your King James Bible that you have to look up, write the definition of it in the margin of your Bible. Write it there. And that process, this is such a good learning process. You read it. You learn to pronounce it. You say it out loud as you're trying to discern what the word is. You read the context because often the context will define the word. Even if you don't know what it means, the context will. And then you look it up in archaic words or by definition. I should have also brought in my Webster's 1828 dictionary. There's a, you can get an app for your phone. I think it's free with the Webster's 1828 dictionary. That's one that's going to help you define the words of your Bible very easily. And you, you look it up and you write that in the margin of your Bible so that you have it and you don't have to look it up again. So read it over. I, I was saying that there's a learning process in that. You read it, you search the context, you look it up, then you write it down. How many of you think you're going to remember that definition? Do you know what we call this? Labor in the Word. Labor in the Word. Well, it ought to be easy. Well, what was the Ethiopian eunuch doing? He'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. And God sends Philip to him because he knew that this was a man that was responding to the light that he had been given. So God gave him more light. And so Philip runs and jumps into his chariot. And he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. Understandest thou what thou readest? What did he say? How can I except some man show me? This is an educated man. He could understand the language. He was worshiping as a Jew. He could understand the language. He needed help to understand the message. How can they hear without a preacher? You have to be able to do that. And so, as you are handling the Word of God, you will understand it better. All right, so number one, believe what you read, doubting nothing. Number two, read it over and over again until the cross-references reveal themselves. Number three, this is going to sound strange, witness to the lost. Witness to the lost. My greatest um, periods of growth in Bible knowledge come from answering questions. And if you're out giving people the gospel, you're going to find out what you need to study. How many of you have ever been talking to Jehovah's Witness and wish you knew more about the deity of Christ? You knew more about the passages on hell. Amen? You knew more about what the Bible says about blood transfusions. I, I don't know if that's what you're going to answer. If you will be using your Bible, not just in studying, but in witnessing, I promise you, what's the Holy Ghost going to do? He's going to bring those things to your remembrance that you have studied. He's going to teach you the things. I, I tell Laura all the time, I think better talking. I learn stuff. This is going to sound crazy to you. I don't say this out loud much because you can think I'm crazy. I learn stuff while I'm preaching. I'm, I'm communicating a text. We go to a cross-reference, and I see something. Some of the stuff that I've said that is the most profound. That's a low bar, I know. Happened while I was preaching. 
God revealed something to me while I'm talking about him to you. I promise you God will do that for you. I promise you God will do that for you. So witness to the lost. The questions you are asked will direct your Bible study. You'll be forced to think about topics you would have never considered. So, number one, believe what you read, doubting nothing. Read it over and over again until the cross-references reveal themselves and then witness to the lost. Then number four, never assume you know what a word means. Never assume you know what a word or doctrine is. Look it up. If there's a word that you don't believe that you can define, if I ask you, what does this word mean? If you can't define it, look it up. Familiar words like justification. Justification. What does justification mean? What does it mean? Declared righteous. Declared righteous. How many of you would have said declared righteous if I, if I had asked you? How many of you would have said that out loud? That's fantastic. I remember when I was teaching through the book of Romans, I asked Brent New that question every Sunday. Every Sunday. What, what is justification? Declared righteous. It just because it was a, every Sunday I would do it. It's so important. The more you use these words, the more that you, you make sure that you know what they mean, the more that you're going to grow. The other thing that happens is when you look up a word, how many of you have ever been reading and you think you know what a word means, you look it up and it doesn't mean what you thought it meant? That will happen to you in the Bible over and over and over and over again. And every time, here's the fun thing. Every time you think you know what it means, and then you look it up and you find out what it really means, what happened? You just learned something. You grew. God has given you a little bit more light, a little bit more light from his word. Never assume. So look up every word you cannot define. And then keep a journal. Write down everything that puzzles you. Keep a journal with you while you're reading your Bible. And here's what happens with me. And I've said this to you before. Reading through the Bible is very difficult because for me because I'll read something and that'll send me to 15 other places in the Bible and I end up spending my entire Bible study that time on one verse and I don't make it through large sections. The way that you can overcome that, and I know that many of you are the same way because that's the way that we study the Bible here. The way to make sure that you're getting your Bible reading in, the volume of, volume of reading that we really ought to have is when you come across something like that, write it down. And then when you're doing your study time, not your reading time, you can go back and review that. Then, before you take on a new belief, compare passages on that subject. So you're reading something, you think that you've learned a new doctrine. All right? Now, none of us would say, I found something no one else has ever found. That's not what I'm saying. You find a doctrine that's new for you. You have an understanding of a doctrine that's new for you. Before you start proclaiming that or believing that is truth, you had better look up the other passages in the Bible that teach that doctrine. Because the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. If you don't have two or three witnesses for a doctrine, it's probably not that important. Amen? Put the exclamation points where God puts them. Now, of course, every word is important, but I think you understand. God emphasizes through repetition. All right. So, number one, believe what you read, doubting nothing. Number two, read it over and over again until cross-references reveal themselves. Number three, witness to the lost. Number four, never assume. And then number five, do your own study. Do your own study. Um, have you noticed that we don't really promote um, our daily bread? Or, you know, you've got to work through this book this week. I want you to work through this book. And we're going to have a Bible study. And this, we're going to do the Simpsons Bible study. Or whatever. The Andy Griffith Bible study. 
The thing you ought to study in Andy Griffith is why there's only one person married on the whole show, and it's the drunk, Otis. Is that interesting? That's why the show was so happy. No, no, that's a different, that's a different thing. Do your own study. Um, learn to study the Bible before you go to outside sources. So you're reading a topic, you're reading a subject in the Bible. Start cross-referencing that subject. Find out other, look up that, the, the, the key words, the main words and phrases. Use your computer. Look those things up. Compare scripture with scripture and then go to your commentaries, and then go to your dictionaries. Let the Bible establish itself before you go to a Bible teacher. Let the Bible and the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Now, when you're just starting, you're a new believer, man, John Phillips' commentary on the Gospel of John is a wonderful thing to help you read as you read along. That type of thing, it's wonderful to have a tool and aid like that, but you will never grow if you use crutches the rest of your life. You'll never get strong if you use crutches. Learn to study the Bible before you go to outside resources. Okay, believe what you read, doubting nothing, read it over and over again until the cross-references reveal themselves. Witness to the lost, never assume, do your own study. And then, number six, don't waste your time on Greek or Hebrew. Don't waste your time on Greek or Hebrew. What are you doing when you go to the Greek and Hebrew? You're translating. It's already done. It's already done. Hey, um, where's, uh, where's Kevin West? Kevin, is Kevin here tonight? Okay, I don't see Kevin. Um, who else could we use? All right, Dave Spicer. He, he built his own house. Dave, here's what I need you to do. I need you to put a roof on this building. How many of you think that'd be a dumb thing to do? Why would it be dumb to go put a roof on this building? Why would that be dumb? It's already done. You don't need to translate the Bible. It's already been translated. The last thing I want to say about the languages that's so important. Going to the languages, going to especially the Greek, that's, that's primarily what people do. Going to the Greek, what it does is it causes doubt. It causes doubt. Because the lexicographer you're reading after is probably lost or has abhorrent theological positions, and those things are going to make their way into the trans into their comments. The other thing is the words that they're using are coming from classical Greek. Their definitions are coming from classical Greek. The, the, the Bible was written in Koine Greek. It's a different language. There are so many fewer words in Koine, so when you have a dictionary that's got 100,000 words, those are not Koine Greek words. You're not actually learning your Bible. You're learning something else. Just believe the Bible. It's been translated. If you'll spend as much time looking at the words of your Bible as they do, looking past the Bible to some kind of an original resource, you'll know the Bible so much better than they do. I promise you, you'll know the Bible better. So just six simple principles for reading difficult passages. Let's all stand. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to teach your word. Thank you for a church that loves it.